Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumdy Dum, show about the reality doggy drama that has centered an Ambridge in the heart of the Middle East on the burgeoning relationship that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the Lumen Affair, who is... Kerry Warbis. And we are joined by that grubby little fling, who goes by the name of... Peter Fickling. And the last part of this week's dalliance, folks, is you. Well, potential dalliance, you never know. I think that's where it's going. Anyway, this week's Dumdy Dum is from Jenny from Southampton. Boy, oh boy, what an accomplished whistler she is. What's the female version of Roger? Because that's like Roger Whittaker. Mm. That was absolutely sensational. It was utterly brilliant. And she even, like, she kind of jazzed it up a little at the end. She yeah. You know, <laughs> she wasn't, like, you know, standing by the normal kind of, like, notes there. She, you know, she totally impressive, Jenny. Yep, there was a right flourish at the end. It was beautiful. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, Kerry. I'm guessing she scared off any potential whistler for a dum-de-dum. But um, if somebody else wanted to maybe, I don't know, um, hum one, sing one, play one on the kazoo, knock one out on a banjo, (laughs) anything but whistle, how can that be done? Well, if you would like to sing us a dum-de-dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105. Leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send a text message starting with DUM to 077-862-00690. Thanks to our new-ish social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy B. Freeman. A little bit of housekeeping. Some of you probably know that uh, we didn't actually do the live show uh, yesterday here at King's Place and um, I took the decision about a week ago uh, to pull out of doing uh, be part of the London Podcast Festival 
Um, so sorry if you had bought a ticket, but you would have received an email from King's Place saying that you can get a full refund. So I hope that didn't mess you up uh, too much. But with everything going on and with the fact that uh, the country seems to be slipping back into a little bit of a lockdown situation, I thought it only right and proper, considering that people like to travel near and far. And also the fact that we were actually selling more online tickets and actual physical ones, really just to call a halt to it. So again, um, if you did buy a ticket, you can get a full refund. So sorry, hope you understand. But what I am going to do, and I have floated this out on the Facebook and on the Flick app, um, is to do a Friday Zoom in a couple of weeks' time. We can all just join up at 7 o'clock on a Friday, have a cocktail in front of us, uh, natter about the archers. Sunny said that she'd be up for it. I've done about these pair. Uh, they have to speak to their, their managers, I think, and see what their availability is. We'll give that a couple of weeks and uh, we'll have um, a little bit of fun all together online. On this week's episode, we hear views from Caroline Wright. Now, it's a bit of a poem type thing, uh, which we're going to put at the end of the show. So listen all the way to the end for Caroline's uh, little missive. Uh, Jackie. Uh, we've got uh, the cranky Yankee. She's back with a spoon. Woo! At uh, some more deep psychological insights into the world of Ambridge from the upper lower east west side. Uh, Mary Not Contrary. She's returned as well. Yay. And Ali. So we've got a bumper show, folks, in terms of uh, goings on. Uh, but first, let's have a little bit of this because you know what it is. It's hot topic time. Right, it's our burning issue of the week. And this week it's uh, Folks We Miss and Why. Because um, off mic, uh, Pete opined that there's been a lot of doom and gloom in and around Danbridge this week. And it's all going to be deep, heavy stuff on the call of So let's keep it light and frothy. Kerry uh, Warburton, mm. my favourite auntie. Uh, <laughs> why don't you kick things off? Okay, well, the people that I'm missing and that I would love to reappear ASAP are the Lower Loxley bunch. I would like to hear how they're all getting on, Lizzie, Russ, Lily, Fweddy. Has Russ made a move on Lizzie yet? Are they now in a relationship? Um, which kitchen items has Russ bought online? Um, I'm thinking probably <laughs> a digital gooseneck tea kettle or a vertical waffle maker, perhaps. Oh, that um, makes me feel bad. I, I have just bought a gooseneck kettle <laughs> have you oh that's yeah. hilarious do you yeah. have Sorry, do you have a vertical waffle maker I, I don't, but last week I said I was like Russ and you poo-pooed me, but I was right. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Jesus, that is scary, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or maybe a precision poacher, I thought, perhaps. Also, what income are they getting at Lower Loxley at the moment? That's a great point. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that at all. Mm. If you're running an art gallery no one goes to, do you actually need to engage in furloughing or social distancing? That's the question. Mm. Yeah, I mean, no one went to it before lockdown, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, there are other strings to that business's bow than just the art gallery, to be fair. Yeah, there are, there are. But, you know, during lockdown and, and then being confined when it was proper, proper lockdown, do you reckon Russ and Lizzie will have been drawn more together? Hmm. I think their relationship might endure. I was always expecting it to, to implode, but then Lily kept on sort of finding ways of, of loving him more, which, you know, I found confusing, but it did seem to be progressing quite nicely. And 
uh, he is he's obviously incredibly obnoxious but uh, you know the to, to your point about um wanting them all back in the in the archers kerry mm. he he's very very good at making things exciting or creating an engaging scene um it was a, a bit like rob even though your blood's boiling the effect he has on the show <laughs> is sort of you know is um transformative yeah but do you not think he will have tried to cop off with lizzie though lizzie's you know on tinder full time isn't she now flicking left and right like a maniac <laughs> she's probably sort of you know not social distancing all over borsetshire oh well you see i want to find out how about you who who have you been missing um i toby um i've always had a soft spot for toby and from a sort of self-indulgent and selfish point of view i think the fact that he's a a new father to a, a similarly aged child mm. and, and and i i always felt he was given a bit of a hard time by pip and family you know it was everything he did was you know it was never good enough he was expected to be a sort of full-time dad but they're not allowed to actually be that close I did think he was obviously being a bit cheeky trying to move into the house but you know it was kind of like we want you here all the time but Mm. then but you know but not when it's you know inconvenient to us yeah and um I also think that that all of his sins are fairly minor ones they're the sins of a young man they're not kind of like you know deep flaws that it's not your Philip Moss or um, sort of level of flaws and so you know being a bit of a silly bugger having sex with Kate in the swimming pool being unreliable um, being a terrible businessman um, but again like Russ or you know all, when mm. when is um, when is Toby anything but lighting up a scene yeah the only problem with Toby returning is that Pip might have to appear as well so I might have yeah, to poo poo that have I? <laughs> But you could you could make the same argument about um, uh, Freddie, Lily, and Russ. Russ comes along as part of the baggage. Yeah, you know? and to some extent, Lizzie. Lizzie can be quite annoying when she's in one of her pompous moods. Oh yeah, definitely. But I am missing that at the moment. Yeah, I want. I, I have. Yeah. I have on my piece of paper. I don't have notes. I literally just have it. it says Frilly at the top for Freddie and Lily, and then Toby underneath. That's all my notes. <laughs> ah. Oh, actually, no. I did go a bit Bruno Tonelli, and it says with Toby, it says sexy, sassy, silly. Um, I don't know why I wrote that, but <laughs> but which is true. I think he is, is all of those things. But then for Frilly, I'd written tender relationship relationship for um freddie and lily that was something i really enjoyed with them was just how much they looked after each other it seemed very i mean i've never had a twin but it seemed it seemed very plausible and very sort of um, Mm -hmm. relatable yeah on this note as well i I still don't know when they're going to return to the full-on monday to friday plus sunday episodes i did ask on twitter and no one knows so well we know that they've gone back into the studio but I don't know if you saw the photo, but there was a photo and it was the actor who plays Fallon uh, and I forget who the other two were. Mm. Uh, um, Elizabeth, the actor who plays Elizabeth was also there. Uh-huh. And they were all, um, you know, at least 10 foot away from each other in a line. So I'm presuming that um, they're still getting the production flow behind mm-hmm. the fact that certain characters um aren't traveling i.e your peggies because yeah. you know they're old and there's the pandemic then there is the reduced capacity of the amount of actors etc mm. but this is just pure speculation from my part just kind of guessing from from that picture so yeah. we know they're back but they're still not in inverted commas, back, back. Yeah. Rather serendipitously, they've actually had quite a lot of plots with the older characters over the last half a year. There were, you know, Peggy's been heavily involved. Mm-hmm. Jill has had a, a, you know, a long plot line. So they, it could, it, it, they don't necessarily have to rush those, those older actors back in. Mm-hmm. Um, they could drift away for a little while. 
I mean, obviously, it was difficult. To, it, it could be difficult to get Kate back in because obviously she lives with Peggy. But yeah, that's true. So, Royfield, who who have you been missing in the recent episodes? Wayne Foley. <laughs> I just think seriously, though, uh, right? We've got Susan. <laughs> we've got Susan on the radio, mm. right? And there must be loads of intra-radio tittle tattle and gossip, and also the fact that it seems like Susan is now the big star, isn't she, of Radio yeah. Borsitcher? Mm. So Wayne Foley's nose is going to be put well out of joint. Yeah, is he sitting rocking in a corner bitterly somewhere? <laughs> Well, you know what? He should be because isn't he doing the drive time now, which used to be his slot. He was mm. the voice of, of the county. And now it's uh, it's it's our Susan. So I, I want to hear from Wayne Foley because, you know, he will have an axe to grind and some sour grapes uh, to uh, to a pine about. Mm. So, yeah, let's have let's have a bit of uh, the voice of the county. Yeah, back, especially as Susan only reads out messages from her own family. He's probably exactly. very, very <laughs> irked about that. Probably, <laughs> if they do, if they do um, take Susan off the air, they they reflect how in you know the fact that local radio stations are shutting down. They reflect the fact that the BBC is making cutbacks. It would be great if Susan's got a taste and sort of the um, does a podcast or something. So I don't want Susan to to lose this part of her life. I do. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, podcast might be it though. Her being, um, you know, the gossipy person that she is could have worked well, but I don't think it has. It might have been better if she had just done a podcast because then it could have been more plausible that it was just a few well-meaning. Um, oh, that reminds me, Kerry, you went ballistic on Twitter <laughs> last week and I, I quite enjoyed um, spotting it ahead of time. Um, when And Quentin spotted it as well. The fact that um, uh, Jenny and Brian had called into Susan's show well, of and course. made a request. Yeah. yeah. That would never happen, clearly. They wouldn't listen to that show, would they? And Jen yeah. Jennifer certainly wouldn't write in about her two daughters' birthdays coming up. Actually, oh, absolutely. It led yeah. to some speculation that Susan may well have made that message up entirely. But she's now she's out now outranking Jennifer considerably. You know, um, in in the next couple of weeks, Jennifer's going to be the um, strange lady in the little house with the alcoholic daughter, um, and you know the dysfunctional family bringing up her um, husband's mm. illegitimate child. Uh, and Susan's the, the wife of a, of a proper manager um, who, and also local celebrity. Yeah, I mean, as famous as Madonna. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, I think the Carters are on the up, aren't they? Emma's going to be this entrepreneur. I'm just going to keep on saying it till it happens. And, <laughs> well, they're uh, on the Susan... up until you speak. Yeah. Until you speak to Chris. Oh yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, well, no, but he's a world-renowned artist now, making um, <laughs> making yeah. making things that no ton one wind likes. Yeah. Um, when he presented the bird feeder, and they what did they say? Stri oh, it's striking. They, they used negative space to describe just how awful it was. Yeah. He admitted that he'd had to rush it towards the end as well, didn't he? I stuck to the brief. Robert said, keep it simple. So I did. And she said something like, yes, you certainly did um, hit the brief, um, Christopher. Yeah. Is it just a horseshoe stuck on a bird box? Well, it's, 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 it's a wind chime. So you assume he's at least managed that. No, there, there was a bird feeder kind of and a wind, the wind chime was for Zander, wasn't it? 
Oh, okay. I'm Which is sorry. weird as well, I think. It's almost like I don't care about Chris and his um, output. Because <laughs> someone made the joke about, I hope they don't hang the wind chime over Xander's cot if yeah, it's no, made out sli- of horseshoes. <laughs> I was slightly annoyed because I was I was uh, holding forth about um, how preposterous it was to that someone would make a wind chime that you know weighs that much. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we were sent links of this beautiful yeah. sort of 15-ton baritone mm. wind chime kind of hung in the sort of hills of Alaska or something. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, there was one in a forest cool. that Rosie Porter Very beautiful. That was, exactly, yes. It cost three grand. That was the downside, yes. If Chris can make anywhere near that money, they're sorted. <laughs> Uh, you pair. I think we've somewhat gone off topic, Sorry. but it's been rather entertaining <laughs> listening to the Sorry, pair of you. Uh, but it, it, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, we we have a dum de dum news flash, and um, one of the beautiful things about this whole kit and caboodle, this whole podcast, is mm. that we have a community of helpers that assist the podcast in all of its forms, whether it's the social media supremos or whether it is um, people that write podcast roundups. And um, all of us have got big love for Cosmo. He's the person with the biggest brain when it comes to things that have happened in and around Archer's Land. And he just knows everything about everything. And he does these great podcast roundups. And um, a little bird just, just told me I should have a look at this week's podcast roundup. Or last week's podcast roundup, sorry. Not only am I just incredibly touched, uh, but it just says says a lot about the wonderful country uh, that we live in. Because basically Cosmo, as is his way, has uh, forgone the normal constrictions of uh, the podcast roundup format by basically just going rogue. And he's done it in a most beautiful way. And he's giving thanks to Sister Katie, the Royal Surrey Hospital in Guildford, Frimley Park, his local A&E, and Dr. Uh, uh, Leatherman, um, who's his cardiologist, because basically um, he's been incredibly ill and had to go in for an operation. And without Sister Katie spotting that there was something wrong with um, his tests, he's basically saying he wouldn't be here. So we have to give thanks to those professionals, those health professionals, uh, for doing their jobs um, you know, so diligently that we have Cosmo still with us to do his podcast roundup. So please, folks, um, go and have a read on, on Dum Dee Dum this week. It is incredibly touching. And as somebody who spends a lot of time in America, I say this all the time when people talk about socialised medicine and talk about this nonsense over there and I go you know what nobody goes bankrupt because they're sick or ill Mm. in the in the UK and it is literally the one institution that binds the whole country together we we have something to be incredibly proud of in, in the NHS we can sometimes forget that And here is a stunning reminder when we put out this podcast that goes all around the world. There's many people listening in America and other bits of the world which don't have the comprehensive universal healthcare coverage that we have. Mm. And here is um, somebody who is very dear to our hearts, who it has helped so they can still be on terra firma with their loved ones and uh, contributing to Dum Dee Dum. So thank you, NHS. Thank you again, Sister Katie, uh, the Royal Surrey Hospital in Guildford, Frimley Park and to Dr. Uh, Levman, I think I'm saying that correctly, he's cardiologist. And thank you, Cosmo, for being uh, such a wonderful uh, contributor to Dum Dee Dum. Wow. So there you go. There's a little bit of some, some breaking news for you, folks. And uh, now uh, we're going to change track and have a little bit of this. 
Hello, Ambridge3962. Okay, first off, it's Ali. Hi, all. It's Ali from the swampy area that is the Washington, D.C. area in the United States. And perhaps it's that I'm teaching second graders, seventh and eight year olds, but I find it really interesting that we're kind of getting a comparison and contrast between Alice and Emma. And one of the caller runners last week mentioned that he thinks Emma might be pregnant. And I think he might be right because think about what we have gotten out of Emma that we're seeing in Alice right now. She flirted with Gavin earlier in the year and they've sort of got this contentious relationship of that's pretty central to um, the archers of the haves and have-nots and just something that I think is is natural being sisters-in-law. And, you know, it is going to be interesting how the, the potential fetal alcohol um, issue plays out, you know, and as an American where we, I think, culturally view uh, abortion a little bit differently than, than those of you in the UK, that's going to be, if they do take it down that road, how that's dealt with within the family is going to be interesting to this American years. I really hope they don't do it that way. But at the same time, a fetal alcohol storyline is going to be difficult. Well, thanks, Ali, from swampy Washington, D.C. Uh, yeah, Alice and Emma, they are kind of, they have their similarities, don't they? Um, not just the fact that they each dislike the other. And if Emma is pregnant, how will that all pan out? I, we kind of spoke about this last week, didn't we, about whether if Emma is pregnant, could it possibly bring Alice and Emma together in some way or even further and I, apart? And I think we all said, no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not in a million years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First of all, um, I used to live in Washington, D.C. And a uh, mm. little, you know, um, maybe America would have a slightly more harmonious political system if they didn't put it in a baking hot incredibly humid swamp um to ali's point it is unbearable there in the summer but anyway that's a a, a side point mm. um yeah I, I it it just doesn't seem it, it's just going to create jealousy isn't it because yeah no matter how much money alice has got or prestige or status in the village emma's relationship with um ed is absolutely rock solid and they're such and she's such, such you know they're such obviously good parents um you know even just from the small amount of parenting we hear on air it's a, you know it's just a it's just a truth yeah, I know we can't predict these things, but do you think that um, Alice will go down the route of a termination? When I was re-listening again at the end of the episode where she reveals to Chris that she's pregnant, he, he doesn't listen to her properly at all. Cause, no, everyone um, got cross about that, didn't they? Yeah, she kind of, he says, you're okay with that? And she says, starts to say, I'm not sure. Yeah. And then he just goes, don't say that. I love you. It's all going to be fine. You think, oh, well, don't ask her if you, she's okay with it. It's and really it's, pay no attention. Do you want the heart or the head, Kerry, Which or both? Um, mm. I think my heart, I really want her to have a termination. Um, and this is... This is not to do with real world issues about, um, uh, you know, uh, abortions. It's purely mm. about with the archers, what it, the effect it has on the archers. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to have an abortion because I can't deal with this going on and on. I don't enjoy them. I don't enjoy Alice and Chris being, you know, at the center of it all. So mm. from a kind of selfish me, me, me point of view, I just want it all done and uh, dusted. 
Um, and I think that'll actually go on longer. I can tolerate another child in the village more than I can tolerate the plot line about an abortion. But I think in ter- what do I think? But I think if I'm sort of trying to analyze it, I think if it would be, I think it would be a, a, a better, better for the archers, better for the listeners in terms of public broadcasting mm-hmm. if they did do um, uh, a, a plot line about abortion and had um, had. Chris and Alice wrestling with that decision and all of the moral implications, both in terms of um, uh, the, you know, the effect on, on the family, but also the, the you know, the effect on um, Alice as a, as a yeah. mother and a mother's rights to make that choice mm. or, or not rights, depending, you know, lack of rights, depending on your perspective. Yeah. She, she clearly feels she's not ready. She said no. that to Gavin. She's kind of hinted at that to the, the woman from the clinic who, who she was having phone conversations with. And she drew. Um, she she didn't say it directly to Gavin, but she hinted very broadly that it's to do with, it's to do with the alcohol. She's aware of that. Mm. Which sort of, I mean, without wanting to go back into the whole denial thing, it does show that she is obviously aware of the levels of drinking. She's not, you know, yeah. She's even if it's retrospectively, she now understands through the pregnancy that you know this has had a an impact on her and therefore her baby's health. Yeah, I can't recall. I think it might have been to the clinic woman. Or, yes, it was. Yeah, where she said, "Yeah, um, you know, if, if to be ready, I would have, you know, stopped stopped having caffeine. Taking vitamins, you know, I would have taken said. vitamins. Yeah, yeah." yeah. Um, and then she did say something like, "And all the rest." That was the closest she got to alluding to the alcohol, wasn't it? I don't know if it's in America or here, but I think there is a brand of beer that now does vitamins in your beer. So maybe we could, um, you know, maybe oh. that's something Alice could look at. Yeah. <laughs> The other thing to say about Chris not listening to her mm. is he's wanted a child for at least two years now. So him mm. hearing that she's pregnant, of course, he's just emotionally just going to go, oh, my gosh, this is great news. And remember last week and that telephone call when he was trying to find find Alice, yeah. he said, you say that I don't pay attention to things. So... Here is somebody who's been asking his wife, let's start a family. Here's that she's pregnant. You know, all he hears is that they're going to have a baby. He doesn't hear that she's Mm. pregnant. He's heard we're going to have a baby. Uh, And it's kind of understandable uh, viewed from that lens. Um, Do you think, Royfield, do you think, I mean, if you've got married to someone and if you've got married to someone Typically, it's understood that you're going to be trying for a family. I mean, uh, you know, it, I think it's that's forgivable. the implication. Yeah, it's for, it's forgivable that Chris's reaction immediately was was overwhelmingly positive, and he's trying to be, and he's like, "Oh, you're amazing, and this is such great news." If he continues to, if it's if it turns into him pressuring her, then mm. that takes on a different tone. But a lot of people were suggesting that Chris was just not listening, and I think in the moment, how could he? How is he? You know, it's such big news, and from his perspective, so overwhelmingly positive. How is mm. He's supposed to separate himself from that immediately. Exactly, um, I, exactly. We've had two years worth of a lead up of him saying, let's start a family. So he is going to react in that way, rightly or wrongly. Where I think this storyline potentially could break real ground is to show a relationship, to show a marriage, you know, that the couple concerned have wildly different views about the pregnancy and there is a termination and then the effect that has on Chris. If they follow that through, then I think this is brilliant. You know, purely from a plot device, you know, as as you said, Peter, it's nothing to do with the morality of of abortion uh, at all, but purely viewed as a fictional show or a docudrama, 
to introduce that tension into a relationship. And if they can still be together, but to have this keep dragging through year after year, this be an undercurrent. She hasn't said yet how far gone she is. I know, we again, we, we did touch upon this last week. So I'm wondering how far into the pregnancy she actually yeah. is. I, mm. I get I get the impression she's quite far into the pregnancy. Mm. Um, that's but it's based on very little. It's just how I you know it's just my guesswork. But I think I think she's yeah. a lot more pregnant than we've been told. Yeah, I mm. think that's how it's going to pan out. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Ali, uh, stunning call. Uh, you gave us lots of pause for thought with the kind of the parallel storylines there. Uh, but now it's the upper lower east west side. I said it correctly this week, and it's with a spoon. <laughs> Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. I just finished listening to last week's episode, and what a cracker it was. Well done, <laughs> Auntie Carrie, Peter, and you too, Royfield. It was a pleasure to hear again from the <laughs> lovely accented Maeve and from Mary Not Contrary, who was about a nine-hour drive from me. You know, Mary was the very first Dumpty Dummer I ever met in person. It was in May 2015 in Toronto, where I was for the annual meeting of the American Psychiatric Association. I believe Mary was with child at the time, and she brought her husband for backup, just in case I turned out to be a no-goody. My Dumpty Dum <laughs> reputation had not yet been firmly established, having only caller in a few times by then. Now, on to current goings-on. First, I agree with what Glenn said last week. Although I didn't like the fact that Bert turned out to be the shoplifter, I do think there's a good story there about caring for an elderly parent who lives at home. It ain't easy. Bert isn't one of Ambridge's geriatric super people like Peggy or Jill, and he certainly won't be heading off to the laurels for a comfy last decade or two of life. We do know that such care is almost always delivered by the daughters and not the sons. And by the way, I just checked. Who knew that Susan and Tracy had four wayward brothers in total? Now, let's talk about Alice. I'm not sure if she'll have an affair with Gavin, but my prediction is that she will have a termination, but won't tell Chris until afterwards. They will split up, and she'll leave the village to find herself. I think she's felt trapped by Ambridge as well as by her family, and marrying so young was a mistake. Alice needs to experience the world outside of Borchester. She will then have joined all of her siblings in having left the family for at least some significant period of time. This is not coincidental. Talk to you soon. Ooh, with a spoon. I love your calls. Thank you for the compliments about last week's. It was it was a corker, wasn't it? Even if I say so myself, we just really enjoyed it and had a lot of fun. Um, and you've met Mary in Toronto as well. Yeah, the caring for elderly being a great plot topic and the fact that it's usually the daughters who get to have to undertake that task um will it be explored because they're obviously struggling with it at the moment aren't they both susan and um tracy are not having much fun with granddad bert at, at all it doesn't um, it doesn't sound ideal i mean we made light of it nah. a couple of weeks ago but the oil in the ears and the cleaning of the feet and the underpants and stuff 
Yeah, yeah. non-appreciation of everything that's happening yeah. for him. And yeah, sounds a bit of a nightmare, doesn't it? How do you think we're going to record the podcast in our care home when we're all there together? <laughs> it's going to be quite, you know, we're we going to be able to request a little private room. Is they going to charge us extra for that? <laughs> Imagine yeah. in those high back chairs all in a row. How lovely. Uh, and Witherspoon does predict Alice will have a termination, but will do so um, without having told Chris. So she'll, she'll reveal it to Chris after the event. Yeah, that, that seems, I mean, mm. I, I, it seems unlikely to me, given that he, she's already told Chris. I mean, that is one hell of a betrayal mm. to tell your husband you're pregnant and then go off and, and, and get the abortion. If If someone had an abortion behind your back, um, mm. I tried to choose my words carefully, but I think that's appropriate. Then I think you might sort of, sort of, if you were, you might lean into the, it's the woman's right to guard her own body and she's made mm. this decision and now I'm catching up with the information. If you've been invited into the decision by being told about the fetus, mm. I think you're now given a little bit more license to have some sense of, not ownership, because again, he's such tricky words, some sense of involvement yeah. and therefore a right to be involved in the conversation. So yeah. I, I think it's a whole nother level of betrayal if she did that. I'd be interested to see, you know, how that works yeah. out. I do agree with you fundamentally, but to Royfield, I don't know, was it Royfield or you, who's just been saying about, you know, if Chris, it was you, Peter, if Chris does start to really put the pile, the pressure on, yeah, yeah, that could force her hand to go down that route possibly it is such a sensitive topic and i don't want to appear sort of like i'm being too mm. sort of trying to please everyone but i mean of everything that i'm saying is based on the current situation so yeah. it sort of evolves yeah. so quickly so you know if chris does t start to pile on the pressure then that immediately changes my opinion about things with this being mentioned how she may well f feel trapped in and gavin was mentioning feeling tra trapped as well wasn't he in umbridge he he was saying, I can't yeah. wait to leave this place because you're scrutinised wherever you go. But he's seen um, the bright lights and, um, you know, big city of Cardiff and Swansea. So he's already tasted, <laughs> you know, sort of been out there in the big world. Um, I did like um, Witherspoon's uh, sort of suggestion that the all of the Aldridge family, the extended Aldridge family, go on a kind of Amish-style rumspringer, that they all sort of go <laughs> off and sort of sow their seeds and then all end up coming back again. So maybe Alice <laughs> will do that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you think, do you see um, Alice and Gavin getting together or Definitely running away not. from Ambridge together? I just, I don't, do I don't think so at all. I, uh, uh, her, yeah, we, yeah. she's, she's, her affection for Chris, I mean, has, I feel, been really well acted. In between all the arguing, they have been Do you see her affection for Chris? Or you yeah, mean her been, lack of affection for Chris? No, there's been some quite tender moments in between the bickering where... Um, they've been having a joke around and I think it sort of gave you a sense of a, a, a relationship that has some depth and is, is, is one that's weathering a storm rather than being, you know, crushed mm. by it. Mm. I, I, I don't know uh, about... The, for me, they have an incredibly lopsided relationship emotionally. The affection all flows in one direction he chris is almost like a puppy dog and she seems like she's just hanging out with a mate that's the sense that i get from, but, from but Royfield, 
you're seeing this through your own perspective. You're a you know a great big burly alpha male. For us piglety beta males, that's very much <laughs> the very much the norm. You know, <laughs> please miss. Can I can I have an can I have some more? Or when we, you know it's so yeah. I mean, I'm sure for you lot, it's fantastic. This kind of striding into a room, your your wife's eyes darting up and down your body, drinking every last you know in every last inch of your muscly sinewed body. But for us pudding men, you know, yes, it's it's a it's a totally different experience. Me and Chris. Uh, he's not a pudding though, is he? No, but he's he's sinewy and ripply like Royfield. Peter. Mm. <laughs> the only one mentioned who's pudding like is me, right, right now. And and on that note, I'm going on to uh with the swing talked about was was Mary not mm. contrary called in last week and the fact that he actually met her in 2015. And here mm. is Mary. Oh, Hello, Dum Dum. It's Mary in Toronto. I'm not contrary on Twitter. And I'm calling to follow up on my comments from last week. It's actually quite tough for me since I became a mother four years ago to either have the time or the mental energy to call in to Dum Dum regularly. So it's quite a thrill for me to be able to do this two weeks in a row. So my comments last week that generated some interest from Royfield, Kerry and Peter were about more educated women drinking more heavily or more problematically. There's various studies that have been done on this. Biggest one in terms of comparing behaviours across different countries was from the OECD five years ago, and I will tweet links out to this. It wasn't the case in all countries, but certainly in the UK, where I was born and bred, and in Canada, where I have lived for the past 11 years, more educated women were more likely to have problematic drinking twice as likely in the UK, three times as likely in Canada uh, compared to women in the lowest educational attainment level. As for the reasons behind this, I think that's still an area of ongoing study. Royfield also asked me to talk about my hashtag tiny Canadian. He's doing well. He just turned four um, and he just started junior kindergarten here in Toronto. Time flies. Uh, So look forward to seeing you all on the Twitter sphere and hope everyone else stays safe. Bye. Oh, Mary, you know, considering you haven't much time or energy to call in and now you've done it two weeks in a row because we were desperate to hear a bit more about the um, more educated women drinking. Thank you so much for coming back to us. And I really look forward to reading uh, the links that you post on Twitter. So, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, Kerry, how do you feel about energy levels and being involved in Dumpty Dum on a regular basis? <laughs> something that you struggle with yeah <laughs> well you got me and Royfield that's you know as good as yeah uh, no well I love it it's yeah. fine oh, okay, it, it, it's, it's, it's a ray of light in in the in life at the moment I yeah think. no I, I feel the same way um, but and and yeah. Mary seems to as well given that she's she's um back on the horse oh bad choice of words Peter um you know but yes um involved again yeah yes yeah. Stunning. Right. Uh, we're keeping it uh, on the other side of the pond at the moment. We've had Witherspoon over there in New York. We've had Mary Not Contrary uh, in Toronto, which used to be called York. There you go. There's a link. Did it? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was, it was, originally, it was called York. Yeah. And now we have Cranky Yankees just south of Toronto. She's in Vermont. Hello. This is the Cranky Yankee. I'm so happy to hear that Royfield, Auntie Carrie, and Peter and Witherspoon are all in good form whenever they get to the podcast. I don't sound cranky because I'm (laughs) too upset to be cranky and too anxiety-ridden to put it into my voice. That would take too much energy. 
it's just challenging to have a society which you grew up in thinking things were one way be completely thrown askew by a Nazi Cheeto at the helm and seeing democracy crumble. Anyway, I digress. That's the real world. I want to go into my parasocial <laughs> world. First of all, there are still Jamaicans working in the apple orchards of New England to this very day, period. I have to be quick, and I'm not a quick talker, but I think Chris is visiting the pyramids in Egypt, and then he's going to visit the river Denial. <laughs> oh, cranky Yankee, thank you. The Nazi Cheeto. Yeah. Yeah, times are grim with with him around, aren't they? Um, I totally missed what she said about the apple orchards. Can oh, you Jamaicans. guys help me out? Because remember last week, we, yeah, we talked about oh, grandfather. Yeah, about farms in America, and I ended up by saying oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that my grandpops worked uh, worked in Connecticut, and there's a Connecticut, there's a community of Jamaicans still in Connecticut to this day. Though I thought it was all historic, mm. I didn't realize that it was still a thing where Jamaicans worked uh, in in New England on the farms. It's one of the most fun things about traveling around America is you do find these tiny little kind of um, communities where they still have sort of, uh, uh, you know, they still speak the languages. So, you know, for, I mean, I guess it would be Patois for the J Jamaicans in Vermont. And it was Vermont, wasn't it? Um, and then, yeah. And so there's in, in on the West Coast, there's little pockets of Welsh speakers as well up in the hills of the um, oh. of the Sierra Nevada. Yeah. So, yeah, it, but it, all over the country. Good, good, good heavens. Though, Cranky Yankee. I think you'll know from being a seasoned listener of uh, Dum -de Dum that we don't condone politics on this show. Uh, we play that with a very straight bat. However, mm -hmm. yes, he is an utterly odious man. He is a, a stain on, on uh, American society. And let's just hope that the buffoon gets everything he deserves on November the 3rd. And then post that, uh, that it ends up with court and jail. Mm -hmm. Anyway... Uh, as I said, we don't do politics on Dum Dum. And here is Jackie. Hello, my name's Jackie and I'm a first-time caller in Aura. Um, I am a Ben Archer, so I started listening in 2002. I'm calling in because I have a plot prediction and I think that Alice is going to have an affair with Gavin. They're getting way too friendly. She's told him too many secrets. He knows too much about her. And the fact that Chris is so excited about the baby, I think is going to push her away and into Gavin's arms. I think Gavin will go with her to have her termination. And I think they'll have a secret affair. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye. Yes, Jackie, I agree. <laughs> and you're a first time caller in, so thank you for ringing us. Uh, ben Archer is your vintage from 2002. I totally agree with you. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, Chris's pressure will push her towards um, going with Gavin. They probably, I think they may well leave Ambridge together as well. I just da, have to, da, I, have, I have to accept that at a certain point, um, you know, enough people think it. So I've got to consider <laughs> I might be wrong. And yeah. I don't want it to happen. I think, um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I just don't. <laughs> it just it, the sound of Gavin and Alice making sweet, you know, sweet noises. It would be too much. Like I don't think I can stomach it. I I did think that the Gavin actor is really really good. 
this week, I, I made little notes about the fact that especially when he was, you know, when they had the crossed wires conversation yeah. and he was thrown into suddenly having to talk about the fact that he was a gambler. Yeah. Uh, uh, which he isn't. I, I really thought he was strong. Good and, actor in, and... in two levels. One, he made a, the the um the silkiest of silk purses out of the sowiest of sow's ears, <laughs> trying to sort of make that French farcical nonsense into something coherent. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. But he yeah. was very good. And I think that might be a reason. Oh, if he leaves Ambridge, he won't stay around, though, will he? But anyway, I'm quite liking him at the moment as a actor. Yeah, it, it's 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 weird, isn't it? It's Gavin, Gavin the, Gavin the Force for good. I mean, is it kind of you know, it's is it, it, does he have? Is there room for redemption? Is there the opportunity for us to forgive his involvement in slavery, uh, to and 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 sort of you know allow him to sort of remain as a as a member of the cast? If 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 everyone else is wrong and mm. they don't have an affair, if he turns his back on slavery and and also on his dad and maybe even helps you know stitch his dad up. Could we yeah. then find room for him in our hearts? Yes. Yeah, because it's the arches, and of course we can. <laughs> We've forgiven worse, and insert immediately exactly. Shula, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't forgive him. I, I, I wouldn't. I think it's brilliant that um, they've introduced Gavin into the arches, and he has gone on, and it's, it's a dreadful cliche thing to say, but he's gone on a journey. When he arrived, he was incredibly odious and loathsome, and he was mm, entitled, yeah. wasn't he? I want this thirty grand. Come on, Dad, give me this money for for yeah. my wedding. Yeah. Now here we are, uh, nine months later, and we go. Ah, you know, it's not so bad. You know, only How if he a- blows the whole thing up, though, and and you know, dobs his dad in, and. But I but I think though that this is ultimately the genius of of the archers. Is, is that for the most part, baddies, with the exception of Rob Titchener, baddies um, always have redeeming features. You know, this isn't Star Wars with Darth Vader. And Peter, you've said it, and we know it, that Philip Moss actually genuinely loves Kirsty and will do does romantic gestures. And it's there not only just to throw us off the scent, but also, also to show us that he's a well-rounded character. He's not a well-rounded mm-hmm. human being, because it doesn't matter how many fairy lights you lay in a grotto for Christmas or whatever the heck he did uh, for Kirsty, human slavery is abhorrent and you can't forgive it. And but Roy, I, I, I'm not so sure about him actually having true affection for Kirsty, though, either now. Mm. I think he may well have. We were, we were chatting about this, weren't we, Peter? About you know him having, he values her. Yes, you were very keen on that word. I would only be able to go that far. And I think he values her because she's ultimately like a cover for all the horrible things that he's doing. But we've had, I forget how long Philip's been in the arches now. Let's say for the argument's sake, it's two years. could even be longer. When when he first came in, he did practically nothing. And there was, you know, when we were saying, what was the point of Philip Moss? So he's been Mm. in it for two to three years. And when he got with Kirsty, he was always incredibly thoughtful towards mm-hmm. her and affectionate. You know, and there's yeah. got to be a reason why they kept on laying that on all the time. He's incredibly I think they oversold it. We didn't know then what we know now. No, sure. About what he's 
what he's been doing. But, so. but that's the whole point, though. I'm saying that he, as a character, you know, you can't. It's like Hitler was Hitler, but he was still quite nice to his dog, type of thing, you know. And uh, he was a halfway decent watercolor painter. He didn't just get, you know, he doesn't get out of bed every morning and just kick hell out of the cat, scream at the neighbors. He's a well-rounded character, not a well-rounded human being, but well, a if character. If Hitler was screaming at the cat, you'd definitely know about it, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still, I know what you're saying, Royfield, but I still think that someone who's capable of doing what he's doing isn't necessarily loving Kirsty. He's... He, he might think he is, but I don't think he is. I, I don't went, know. I think this could be, um, I'm just probably mislabeling. I don't know if he's a sociopath or a psychopath, but it is one of those paths. But really, we were talking about Gavin. And all I'm saying about Gavin is mm. Gavin is an adult. You know, he's not 15. He's not, you know, 18, where you can argue that even though he knows that what he's, do- what he's involved in is wrong, He's still enthralled to his parent, so he has to go along with it. Slavery yeah. Philip, is slavery. Bully, though, really, essentially. Just, just, just to try a bully, and... but but also Gavin is an adult, and we're yet to discern any reason why Philip is unquestioning with his father's business practices. So maybe there is some incredibly uh, powerful reason. But right here and now, I don't really care how lovely and how supportive of Alice that he has been. He's a modern there is slave. An extra level. There is an extra level to it um, that they have hinted at. Um, and I, 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 you know, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not trying to out myself as a fan of slavery and I'm not on the fence about it. You know, slavery is bad. But <laughs> but he he has spent these months in the in the lockup with the whatever it was what you know in this in the bedsit with the with the um the slaves and i think they've been humanized to him he's he's been you know philip has told him off a few times for getting too mm-hmm. close to them and we're in a sort of a, a privileged position to have all the information that the people in ambridge um don't have so you know even if we're not saying that we're going to forgive gavin for it is it, it mm-hmm. i guess another way of looking at it is it can we find it credible that he stays in the village and yeah. and is able to rehabilitate himself and mm-hmm. to create a second chapter in his life where he tries to put this behind him or is, or is uh, you know, dealing with the guilt. Yeah, I mean, I certainly wasn't saying that I would forgive him, but I was saying that I can see him hanging around still as a character. Yeah, and it is a show. Like, I mean, could I forgive someone in real life for it? Probably not. Can I put it to the back of my mind so I can enjoy the archers? Absolutely. It's two different things, right? I, I don't know. Um, and that's a polite way of me saying I can I thoroughly disagree with the pair of you. If when it all comes out, and mm. as sure as eggs as eggs, it will do that Philip Moss is a modern slaver, right? Mm. There is no way that in a village of what, two thousand people, that his son, let's say his son doesn't take the rap for it, that somehow he gets off with it. But there is no way that the son of a modern slaver that you can stay in a village of 2,000 people. He's got to hightail it out of town, out of the village. You have to. If he, if he has gone to Harrison and says, said, um, I've had a Damascene conversion, I now see the error of my ways, this is what I've been up to, and he then enables Harrison to um, capture mm. Philip, and it's his... And but he how gives long has he been complicit in the modern slavery? 
I, yeah, I'm but... not. I'm not defending Gavin, Gavin's actions. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about. I'm just talking about ways that he could be his his development. Because he has, uh, to your point, Royfield. He started off as this kind of childish, um, childish idiot who's just bumbling around and in a self serving way. And he's garage, And now he's um, mm-hmm. Alice's support system at a time when she's really struggling. And mm-hmm. and and is and also is showing some sensitivity towards Blake and Kenzie. So yeah. he's. They've obviously moved him in that direction intentionally. Mm-hmm. So if that continues. I'm. Not, I mean, I. I'm not a fan of Gavin's. I'm just saying that you know, it, it's plausible that he could. They could keep on um, yeah. uh, evolving him. And he, he said. He said, "Be careful of secrets and cover up. Secrets can turn out all wrong." You know, he, he's saying, like you've, you've just explained, that he has moved so far away from um, how he was. I don't know, a month or two ago. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think when um, Philip got a message, didn't he, about all oh, the new build that they're going to get involved in at Hollerton, I reckon it's all when they're working there is when it will become apparent that the people who are working for them, uh, there's something wrong with the setup. Just from a plot point of view, it is better if you have Philip as the out and out baddie. And you have um, Gavin caught between two, again, Christ, it's so difficult. Caught between two horses. If you have <laughs> Gavin caught between <laughs> two stools, it's not even the right thing to get my phrase right. <laughs> if, uh, but it, it, if he's caught between two stools, his newfound affection for Alice, assuming that everyone else is right, his f- loyalty to his father, uh, you know, it, it, it'll it'll add some it'll ha- it'll add some grey areas to an otherwise binary situation. And it doesn't mm. mean we have to be fans of Gavin. We don't have to say, oh, we love him, we love him, we forgive him for everything he's done. But it, it will add some sort of um, uh, some some shadows to an otherwise yeah. rather bleak situation, you know, otherwise rather stark situation. Because at this point as well, Philip, he's still dis- describing, you know, was it Blake as faulty, yeah. um, and has no redeeming features at all, or hints at feeling that remorse or anything like that. I've whereas said, Gavin actually does. I've said it before, and obviously. There's no two ways about it. The whole thing is revolting, and you do feel revolted, especially when you hear him sort of, sort of blithely leaving um, phone messages to a friend saying, "Oh, this one's a bit beaten up, but he can still put a lick of paint on the wall." Or words to that effect. Mm-hmm. But I do think it would have helped to have heard from Kenzie and Blake a bit more to give you to give you that extra level of contempt mm-hmm. for um, for Philip and Gavin to really show you these. Peter, Peter, right? I couldn't disagree with you more. This is modern slavery. I just, I don't care. I don't, I, we don't need, in, in, in a way, I think it's poetic that we, do, we hear literally nothing from them. They don't need to be represented and for us to have any more of an emotional uh, connection to them. This man was on the phone about selling another human being. That's it, as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. Right. Yeah, but no, no disagreement. No disagreement, Royfield. I, I completely agree. I just, I just, all I'm, all I'm saying is, is it, it would, there would be an extra level of, uh, uh sort of connect. You'd feel more. Con- we don't Obviously, need to. You don't it's think modern so? Slavery. No, it's modern slavery. Right. These people are being forced to work without any pay, and somehow Philip Moss justifies this by saying. Uh, we feed them and give them a roof over their heads, and they had a, a, a dodgy, dodgy start in life. This man's well, beyond the, contempt. We don't need to hear Kenzie and Blake. We don't because well, because we yeah. heard that telephone call, and he was trying to sell somebody who 
actually isn't fit for work. He's not recovered from his injuries. Yes, Gavin is trying to speak to his father and say, look, we did a whole load of tests at the, the hospital. He's not swinging the lead, Dad. He still is, you know, you know not really well. And they told him off for faking it in the hospital. I, I agree. I yeah, agree with we you. We don't need yeah. to hear from them to know that Philip is evil and, and modern slavery is evil or anything. But here, you know, we could still hear their side of the experience. There's a reason. There's a reason why people. We don't need Nigel Farage bobbing around in the ocean, pointing his crappy little camera at um, uh, um, people in dinghies in order to understand the plight of those. Um, people seeking seeking refugee status no so you know to, to your point you should be able to have the humanity to project your own knowledge onto the situation you shouldn't need to need to see those pictures to feel anything but but equally um when it comes to the sort of abstract concept of people seeking legal status and you just see a bunch of numbers on a page somehow we can all go to the the polling booth and vote for some rather unpleasant policies and to, to that point i you know yes i have nothing but compassion sort of like you know kind thoughts towards blake and kenzie but i would like to hear their story i would like to more i would like to feel for them on, on a personal level rather than an abstract level. Well, I think before this whole storyline is completely written and then put to bed, we are going to hear about how um, Philip Moss came to own Blake and Kenzie. And you then, think so? Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you have to. You have to. Mm. Right. However, anyway, uh, let, let's move on. Uh... Oh, sorry. One, 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 <laughs> no, one last thing, Royfield. I mean, you you sounded emotional. I feel quite emotional about it, and that's the point, isn't it? You, there, there is. It is something that really matters, and we should, you know, acknowledge that. It, well, it, 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 there's a lot of feeling. Yeah, mm. and you know, I don't want to state the, the, the bleeding obvious, but like for me, it it has a high resonance storyline because that's who I am as a person. It's who my forefathers were. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yes, but. And also, I have to applaud uh, the Beeb and the writers of The Archers because when this storyline became apparent that it was actually modern slavery and I was I was banging on saying that there's something to do with money and business dealings to do with Philip Moss. Yeah. And I was, I was in the ballpark, but I didn't know that it was modern-day slavery. I was not aware what an issue this was. I had no idea. And I like to see yeah. myself as someone who's somewhat decently well-informed about things that are going on in society and in the world. I did not know that this was a problem in the no, United Kingdom. So we have to applaud uh, the writers of The Archers for bringing this storyline in and doing it in a way which is true to the hideous, odious practice, even down to the nomenclature of using horses. So they've done their research and it's shocking. And I just think I don't care who your dad is. Ultimately, if you're an adult, you know right from wrong. As much of a bully as Philip Moss obviously is, Gavin has a sense of entitlement too. Just because the Gavin Moss that we we learnt about in January has been fleshed out to the Gavin Moss that we have in September... Right. Remember, he had that real sense of entitlement. I know you've got money, Dad. I know that I want this 30 grand for my wedding. I'm going to go off to Bali. And off the back of that 30 grand is the sweat and the tears and the degradation of other human beings. I've got no time for it. I just like I don't care what he says or does as a character. He's bad and he cannot be redeemed. Anyway, moving swiftly on 
right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Auntie Kerry Warburton. Um, oh, it's that time. <laughs> yes. Do we do we have any emails with an H? We have a email. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it is from Frankie. So Frankie says, "Dear Royfield, Kerry, Pete, and the Dumpty Dum Global Family, I'm a first time emailer innerer. So here's my housekeeping." I'm Frankie, writing from the wild north corner of England, Northumberland. My Archer's vintage is early 90s. I reckon I'm a Daniel Hebden. Professionally, I'm a potter. I'm a long-term dumpty-dum lurker listener. I've been listening since about episode 10. And dumpty-dum kept, yeah, kept me going when I had to briefly stop listening to the actual Archers during the terminally ludicrous Hadley Huff plotline. I realise this isn't very topical in terms of current storylines, but I was prompted to write by the discussion on the importance of increasing diversity in the archers. Um, And then in brackets, it says, I know this discussion was weeks ago. That's how long it takes me. (laughs) Um, Well, it's my theory that the scriptwriters have already introduced a black character, Lee. In Lee, we have a character that could be permanently and forever in the heart of the Bridge Farm family. And while I'm no Helen fan, surely it's time she was allowed a lasting functional relationship to bring a black character into the cast, root them directly into one of the main Archer families and make them a regular cast member would be a proper commitment. As has been discussed on Dumpty Dum, Country villages, rural jobs and activities are predominantly occupied by white people. But Lee has been brought to the village in a way unrelated to farming or rural pursuits. And he has a job which is not related to the countryside. So it's all been set up in a way that's realistic. The Lee and Helen storyline is on hold while they're separated by the pandemic. But I really hope once this couple can meet in person again, we'll see it blossom. I'd be interested to see if anyone agrees that this is a plausible theory. And if the scriptwriters hadn't written Lee as a black character before, can they please do so now? Because really, what's stopping them? Thank you for the great podcast and wishing rainbows and unicorns to all. Frankie. Well, this is a bit awkward for me, Kerry, because I've just been outed as massively pro- pro-slavery, so perhaps I shouldn't be the person to to opine on um, whether Lee's black or not. And also, if he is black, it causes me trouble because I said how much I disliked him before, so it's like, oh. And, and I also attack Royfield on a weekly basis, so my credentials as a friend of black folk is... Uh, oh, shit. Is, yes, whoops, yeah. Um, but, but Royfield, um, you, you know, as the resident black person, what do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I uh, I have uh, room and space to talk on this topic. Um, yes, if he's black, yeah, great, whatevs, right? But um, as we've said on many of occasion, it it should be tacitly or implicitly uh, detailed. So, and it doesn't have to be that an, a character says, "Oh." is that black chap the judo instructor right Mm -hmm. that'd be somewhat of a a blunt way of saying it though actually be very accurate but it'd Mm. be a case of oh so tell us about your family where was your mom from oh my mom's Mm. from grenada 
oh grenada where's that in the caribbean and then you just then you just move on yeah type of thing so there's ways in which yeah. it can be subtly done however as i've said before um there is if he is black and it hasn't been mentioned at all or even just susan saying you know oh we had that black chap in the other day oh, he bought some hobnobs right yeah it's just, that's real life that is real life but anyway so but could you see lee being the black, the black character well yes because um yeah. if you're going to go down the road of soft stereotypes um mm. he's into physical fitness uh, he does martial arts disproportionately people that do martial arts and kind of that type of training um, do tend to be black and male, uh, slightly disproportionately. And then he does physiotherapy in the hospital. Mm. Again, um, he works with the NHS, so the chances of him being of an ethnic minority are higher and specifically within that role. Statistically speaking, it, it could be, you know. Mm. I mean, Kerry and I were talking off air just before the uh, before the, we were recording about um, about positive stereotypes and some you know, the, the damage they potentially do, and we were sort of uh, uh, maybe hoping that you know if he was a black character that you know Pat or Tony could do could sort of clumsily sort of air some of those positive stereotypes and it might be a useful way to address some of those um, in a kind of public service kind of yeah. way. Hmm. Couldn't agree more. Oh, right. I, I, I don't know. Right. But I, I do feel uh, that my, my blood's pumping. Uh, so it's probably right and proper that we have a little bit of a break. Come back the other side and it's going to be Sandra Jenkinson and a social media roundup. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, here is Sandra Jenkinson with the social media roundup for the week beginning Monday the 21st of September. It seemed to me that the storylines this week about Alice's alcoholism and pregnancy and the modern slavery storyline are going along in parallel and possibly converging. Alice's pregnancy was the hot topic this week. Kate Lyle presented a plot prediction which she didn't want to happen but was pretty sure would. Here it is. Hallis has another quick chat with Gavin or possibly another unlikely person. She is cured of her alcoholism. She realises that the highest possible fulfilment for a woman is being a mother and settles down into a life of domestic bliss. I don't think so, do you? The question about fetal alcohol syndrome has arisen again. This was speculated about in previous discussions about Alice's problem with alcohol. Members are also concerned about her relationship with Chris. If she did choose to have an abortion and didn't tell him, what would his reaction be if he found out later on? Especially if he found out that Gavin knew about it all along. There have been questions about the relationship between Gavin and Alice. Some thought that Alice confiding in him was unbelievable. I'm not so sure. Michelle Laverick in Academic Archers thought it positive that Alice could open up to Gavin. Stephen James Robbins found it strange that Alice had suddenly stopped drinking. However, others have pointed out that Chris asked if she wanted more wine at dinner one night. And of course, the other big topic this week was the continuation of the modern slavery storyline. Pat Ralph Hanavan referred to the cross-purpose conversation and said it was ridiculous, unlikely and went on forever. However, Laura Jackson disagreed, as we knew that Kirsty had got it wrong. She thought that the three-way conversation between Kirsty, Philip and Gavin highlighted that Gavin is his father's pawn. Charlotte Yarker said that she enjoyed it and could understand how the confusion happened. I think a lot of us wouldn't have known the parlance of modern slavery if we hadn't heard this storyline. Martin Skinner from Academic Archer said that for all Gavin showing us the human and cuddly side of modern slavery, and what a wonderful listener he is, and what a good counsellor he would make, I can't help remembering the menacing way in which he spoke to Blake when Blake was in hospital. Gavin must have been stressed at the time. I'm sure that wasn't the real Gavin. 
Listeners are divided about the change to Gavin's personality. There is little sympathy for his change of heart in some of the discussions across the groups. However, others recognise that he has been manipulated by his father and he does seem to have begun to grow a conscience. By the way, Simon George requested new underpants for Mr Moss after that conversation with Kirsty. Caroline Wright added a useful link to the group which supplied an insight to horse trading something obviously most of us know nothing about. Another storyline was the Snells bickering over plans for their garden, and that actually didn't seem to go down too well. However, it was noted that Linda is getting back to being her old self. As an aside, Melly McMerryweather asked a question in the Dumpty Dum group on Friday. If you had to choose which episode would be reinstated first, would you go for Friday or Sunday? It wasn't presented as a poll, but scrolling through, the majority does do seem to have opted for Friday. And to end on a slight tangent, if you haven't listened to Claire Balding's ramblings this week, I would recommend catching up with it on Sounds. She went walking across Dartmoor with Barry Varimond, who plays Ed Grundy. It was heartwarming to hear of his other interests. Bye for now. Thank you for that, Sandra, as always. Um, tip top. It was uh, most excellent. And um, look forward to another missive from you in approximately five weeks' time, my dear. Peter, yeah, I know you've already tweeted these out, but can you give us, for those of us that are not on Twitter or haven't looked at Twitter, your tweets of the week, sir? Well, now my brain hurts because I'm trying to work out the kind of timeline of it all. Yes, I, I send them out as a bit of a kind of trailer for the fact that the podcast is, is on its way. So uh, you can you can steal a, steal a march and, um, and find them <laughs> from my, my Twitter feed. But anyway, so I've got, I've got to get into, after last week's um, uh, triumph, of tweet of the week <laughs> i've got to get into the right to the right zone so energy wise boom here we are so gold silver bronze in you know traditional order starting with bronze so this is difficult to say zanderl uh at hinge underscore zanderl x a n d e r l and he said mm-hmm. gavin's quite a nice guy apart from the whole modern slavery thing um which I think we've covered <laughs> quite thoroughly a few minutes ago. <laughs> and Roy thought, I'm sorry if you're upset. I was not trying to be, wasn't trying to upset you. But yeah. Um, anyway, so that was that one. And that was bronze. So well done, Zondel. And then the next one is Matthew. And that's at Mr. Weir, spelt this, I think, the Scottish way, W-E-I-R. And caution, Linda, I subverted symmetry once. Halfway through the orb set at Glastonbury 92, ended up in the greenfield at 5 a.m. talking to a tree. We haven't touched on the subversion. Yes, which is good. I think I think I'd be dealing with two hot-blooded people. You'd be absolutely steaming, (laughs) Kerry. I would. (laughs) And then in at number one, Royfield's um, exciting um, bed of music, gold. And this is actually this is comes in two stages, and it's from um, regular contributor um, Ambridge Pony Club um, at Jen underscore J Stephen with a PH. And so she's writing in response to Goldie Levels at Goldie Levels. So Goldie Levels said, looking at the teasers on um, the Archer's website for week commencing 12th October, there is no cast list. Is this just an oversight or is there somebody in there they don't want to reveal yet? And um, uh, Jenna said, exciting. Rob pops up as a buyer for Blake. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's that's so, quite good. Yeah. Oh, that was a good one. That, that, <laughs> is, that is that is most excellent. Goodness. Um it's the time where which uh people call it uh admin. I know mm-hmm. that Andrew Horn, long of this parish, and somebody's come to many a dum dum uh meetup and many a dum dum live event, uh, says that this is the bit where he uh generally skips or at least fast forwards uh, which is unfortunate for me because it's when I do my best work on this podcast I generally just say hello and then over to you Peter and Kerry and then I just have a little bit of a mini rant about Facebook and uh, the corrosive effect it has on our civil society and democracy so Andrew you're missing all of that mate in the admin bit but dumdydum.com go there it's car shop it's got some other awesome things you can do besides if uh, you uh, want to uh, rail against anything that I've said, Peter said. You want to rail against anything that Kerry said, because Kerry's always well balanced and measured. Uh, but there's probably something that Peter said, and you think, oh, bloody Nora. Or that I've said, and you go, he's banging on about that again. Why don't you go into the comment section of dumdydum.com and under the said uh, correct episode, uh, go and vent your spleen. Or what you can do is uh, hit the contact us uh, button. And uh, by the magic of the interwebs, it will send a message to us if you write a message first. So write a message and say, Brown, shut up, man. And here's the reason why you need to shut up. Cease and desist, right? Then hit the contact us button. And by the magic of fiber optic cables and binary technology, it'll come into my inbox. I'll read it, forward it on to Kerry. Kerry will then read it out and you'll be on the podcast. That's what you can do on dumptydum.com awesome things like that another thing you can do and i keep saying this every week is that um we're going to thank everybody that's uh, a patreon and just bear with me i'm about to go and see me kids in canada so i ran out of time today i did actually start the list uh, but we are going to thank you in approximately two weeks time everybody that donates to the podcast now if you want to get your name read out on this podcast why don't you become a patreon so you can get your name read out it's quite simple all you have to do is donate $2 per episode to be a Patreon. Get your name read out. You feel all fluffy and warm on the inside. You'll be like, yeah, I love that podcast. I support that podcast. Yeah, I really like Kerry and Peter. Uh, Royfield's not too bad either. And I've got their backs. So that's one way you can support this podcast by going on to patreon.com. Hmm. Now, uh, write us a review. Reviews are good. They're one of the fuels of the internet. You know, you've never bought anything from Amazon.com without reading the user reviews on it first. Have you, Kerry? I have not, no. (laughs) There you go. And why would anybody go on to a new podcast they've never listened to without a user-listener review? So why don't you go and contribute to this, the very currency of the internet, by writing a review about Dum Dum Dum. Now, I'm always honest about this. If you think it's a bag of horse manure, what we do, say that. However, if you think room for improvement, say that too. But if you think we're wonderful, can't get any better with the highlight of your week, why don't you say that as well? Go and write a review on Apple iTunes or a podcatcher of your choice. And to be fair to Andrew Horn, he's probably heard your admin about 300 times. So I don't blame him for what he's it. And that's because he's been listening for so very long, hasn't he? He has. Yes. Bless him. Um, So remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message or send a text message starting with DUMB 
to 077-862-00690. Twitter. It's set up for people like me who fundamentally can't write, but I still make a horse's arse of it. Uh, But it's (laughs) fundamentally the place where dum-de-dummers meet online. And it's what birthed the whole thing that has become this six-year love affair between us, the listeners, of the archers we got together through twitter on twitter you can find us at dumdy dum auntie kerry warburton where can people find you on twitter uh, not at kerry warburton but <laughs> <laughs> at kerry warbis which is k-e-r-i-w-a-r-b-i-s i really think that maybe when we do twitter i shouldn't call you auntie kerry warburton should i <laughs> i don't care what you call do me, we right? need to <laughs> Can you? We need to maybe create a forwarding account from Kerry Warburton on Twitter, just to you know, for anyone who accidentally finds you there. Because th- there was some confusion some some weeks back, wasn't there? But anyway, uh, Pete yeah. Fickling, Peter Fickling, I am me old mucker. I haven't queued you up properly yet. Sorry, me old sorry, mucker, me old China, you West Ham supporter, you, you father to Cyrus, husband of Charlotte. Where can people find you on Twitter? Well, they can find me more easily physically now that you've given away half my personal details. Um, <laughs> does, any, does anyone want my um, uh, postcode as well? Uh, uh, my height? Code, my uh, eye color? Yeah, I mean, good lord! If you if, if this is if this is your way of getting revenge for me, you know, having my controversial Gavin Moss. I would just like to remind everyone: it is a it is a radio show, not real life. I'm not actually mm-hmm. a fan of Gavin as a real person. Anyway, um, I'm feeling quite guilty now. Um, but yes, I, by the way, I've just as a side note, while I was um, <laughs> waiting to do my um, uh, little bit on Twitter, I've looked up Kerry Warburton on Twitter and um, seems to be a lovely middle aged lady in Adelaide, Australia. So, you know, oh. maybe give her a follow if you fancy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but is she an auntie, though? That's the question. Is she an auntie? Um, I'm going to say confidently yes. Mm. She looks like she comes from a family that probably has a lot of kids. With the same first name spelling as me, she's she's uh, she's more R's than you, Kerry. Yeah, um, you see. Okay. Um, yes. Oh no, there's a Kerry Montague. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I can be found at Royfield. Quite simply, R O I for India, then Field. There you go. Uh, now Facebook. I think you will know what I feel about Facebook, mm-hmm. but it's a necessary evil, folks. It's necessary if you're in business. And I understand if you're separated from your loved ones, and most of us are, you know, we're separated from our immediate family because of the COVIDs. You can be separated from your extended family because of distance work or even the COVIDs. So you need it. It's the connective tissue which allows you to see when little Jack is taking his first steps. You know, because your son, your daughter, your nephew, your niece has posted those images on Facebook. It's a wonderful platform for things like that, he says, just talking off the top of his head and not having anything written down. (laughs) However, folks, just beware. You know, you've got that uncle, you know, who writes those conspiratorial messages. Put him right. Put him straight. Whenever somebody posts something about Donald Trump and says he's misunderstood, put them straight. Don't allow extreme right-wing hate masquerading as opinion to fester we've got to reclaim the center ground we've got to reclaim the commons and if facebook won't do it centrally we need to do it as good global citizens 
One of the lovely things you can do on Facebook is go on to Dumpty Dum. Type in Dumpty Dum, you'll see no tweets, pro Donald Trump, messages, sorry, pro hate and misogyny and anything which is remotely racist. It's an oasis of loveliness. <laughs> so go on to Facebook and uh, just type in Dumpty Dum and just bathe in the sunshine of niceness. But remember, whenever the niceness rears its ugly head, don't ignore it. Stamp the fucking thing out. Right, smashing. That's me done. Uh, right, you pair. Um, I feel that you pair really did drive the show until the racism bit. Then I woke up. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm going to leave it to you pair to sign off. You'll hear no more from me, dear listener. I'll see you next week. I'll be recording from Canada. And um, yes, so goodbye, listener. Hmm. Well, speaking of Amazon reviews, it reminded me of the Amazon review that I found in the week about The Moon's a Balloon, which is a memoir by David Niven. And the Amazon review said, all about me, me, me. <laughs> Had a cushy time in the army. Hope the next book is more interesting, not more me, me, me <laughs> about an autobiography. So it just made me think of that, really. <laughs> and that's our that's our book club. That's our Dumpty Dum book club at the moment. It is. is uh, Carrie and I have both bought copies of the, the The Moon is a Balloon. So we will be reading that. I, I tried to give Royfield a sales pitch, but um, he was proving um, difficult to seduce. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's just you and me. Oh well, never mind. Um <laughs> and yeah, I'm off to some kind of um psychiatric correctional unit to have my um <laughs> attitudes towards um uh slavery and being pro or against it um um you know, thoroughly adjusted. <laughs> and, so we'll see yeah. a different Peter next week. <laughs> well, hopefully, otherwise I worry about Royfield's, you know, the, well, at least we know Royfield's heart's working, it didn't explode. So, you know, so we didn't hear sort of, you know, bits of ventricle splattering against the microphone. So that was good news anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and on that lovely note. <laughs> it's farewell. Hello, my name is Carolyn Wright. I contacted you last week. As well as being a fan of the Archers, I also write poems and other short pieces based on the programme. So this is a short poem I wrote about Frida's handbag. It must have been mentioned in one of the programmes. Okay. Frida's handbag, written by Bert Fry. I love my dear Frida. She meant the world to me. But we had our problems now and again. Well, one, two or three. She used to leave her handbag in the most awkward of places. In the fridge, up the chimney, inside the suitcases. I'd be writing my poems and get up for a drink. Then I'd find a handbag floating in the sink. She left it once inside the tumble dryer. I rescued it just before it caught fire. While digging up the veg patch one summer's morn, I came across a handbag looking so forlorn. She'd left it on a garden cane dangling for all to see. I took it down and placed it under our favourite tree. She was so pleased to find it, so grateful to get it back. She took me by the hand and down to a warm haystack. Well, I hope you like that. Well done, you pet. I hit stop.